So then I would go for a walk and my walk, <laughs> instead of being three kilometers and 30 minutes, it will be about 90 minutes because then I'll drink on the walk or I'll go and sit <laughs> somewhere. And then so that by the time I came home, I was good and I didn't have to drink in the house. So I started doing stupid things like that, you know, um, trying to hide my drinking from the people who were really concerned about it. So I would just go out and walk and sit somewhere and at a restaurant or at a bar or buy alcohol at a bottle store and go sit in a park and drink. Yeah, and then I would walk back home and by the time I got home, then I would like, take a shower and say, oh, I'm so tired and go and sleep because I really didn't want people to see. Welcome to the tribe. This is your weekly podcast from Tribe Sober. Whether you're already sober, striving to be sober, or just plain sober curious, you need a tribe. You need a tribe because it's so hard to do this alone. You need a tribe because you need support. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've got your back. Here at Tribe Sober, we have people at all stages of the journey, all helping each other to stay on track. On this podcast, we've got recovery stories to inspire you, experts to inform you, and plenty of advice on how to ditch the drink and change your life. So here's your host, tribe leader, Janet Gorond. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tribe Sober Podcast, episode 154. My name is Janet Gorond. I'm the founder of Tribe Sober, and I'm your host for this podcast. Here at Tribe Sober, we help people to change their relationship with alcohol and then to go on and actually thrive in their alcohol-free lives. And over the last seven years, we've helped hundreds of people to do just that. We created Tribe Sober because we know that it's really hard to change your drinking habits alone. So at Tribe Sober, we're all about community. And each week, we feature a community voice just to give you a flavour of the awesomeness of our tribe. Morning all, um, my Friday win. Today is day 146 for me. Wow, actually I can't believe I, I did it, I actually did it. I'm in Hermanus at our holiday home, an old battleground for me. Um, coming here for weekends was always filled with an equal amount of excitement and dread. Excitement um, for the little th- rituals of eating out and drinking, but that was accompanied by dread because I knew it would inevitably be filled with guilt, shame and regret for what would follow those jolly occasions. And now here I am on a Friday and I'm free, I'm completely free. I'm joyful, happy, content, and I still enjoy all those occasions, but I actually can remember them and I leave you feeling proud and content at the end of the weekend. It's so worth it. So thank you, Janet and this tribe for giving me the support to do this. Onwards. So if you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community, just go to tribesober.com and hit join our tribe. We've also got our Sober 66 challenge starting on Monday the 20th of March. 66 days of support to get you through a sober spring or a sober autumn if you're in the Southern Hemisphere. Online community and audio support for 66 days. Just go to tribesober.com and you'll see the info on the homepage. Also on the homepage, you'll see the information about our free five-day boot camp, which also starts on the 20th of March. 
So check that out, and maybe the 20th of March will be the day that everything changes. If you caught last week's podcast episode, you will have heard me talking to British journalist and mental health advocate Sam Delaney, talking about his new book, Sort Your Head Out. And my guest this week is a young South African woman who's also focused on mental health advocacy. Tribe member Anneli Glovu has been through a journey with her own mental health when she turned to alcohol for solace. These days, she's the founder of an initiative called Tea with Anneli, which focuses on women's empowerment and leadership. She's also a member of Tribe Sober and recently celebrated her six-month soberversary. So I began by asking Anneli to introduce herself. Okay, thank you for this opportunity. I am really, really excited. And I think more so um, now that I've been interacting more with Tribe Sober and Tribe Sober members. Um, I'm Anel Njovu, and I am from Peter Maritzburg in KZN. That's where I live, but I spend a lot of time in Johannesburg as well, because uh, the projects that I run are between Maritzburg and Joburg. I run an organization, NPO, called The Tea with Anel Njovu, which is a women empowerment, women leadership, and mental health advocacy group. And I do that on a full-time basis. Yeah, I'm all just about educating, equipping, empowering, mostly women, but society in general, just about their health and living impactful lives and getting healing. That's beautiful. Well, I'm so glad that we're collaborating a little bit now because I think what yes. we both do, there's there's a big overlap there. Yes, so let, let's talk about your drinking story, shall we, Anneli? <laughs> <laughs> How old were you when you discovered alcohol? Well, alcohol has always been around me. Um, I had uncles who drank from a young, when I was, um, you know, young and all that. But I started drinking when I was 19. And it was um, the typical story of a lot of people where you go to varsity, and you live on campus, you live out of home, and you've got this freedom, and you're trying out new things. And it just started out as that, that, okay, we're going to all these campus parties, or just chilling, and, oh, okay, let me have a drink here and there. Um, so it just started out as that, as a very social thing. Um, yeah, I was 19. Okay, and how did it evolve as you got into your 20s? Um, I think it was always just a very social thing that we did at parties, when we went out for dinners. Um, only until about three, four years ago is when it became a problem. But before then, it really wasn't an issue. It was that, that it's just what we do when we're getting together. But there was never, um, there were never any like issues with it where it's getting out of hand or I'm getting out of hand. No, not during my 20s or even early 30s. So what were the signs that made you start worrying a little bit about it as you got into your 30s? What were <laughs> the think, red flags? <laughs> yes, yes. I think for me, um, it was definitely, I started using it um, as something to numb my feelings. So I got retrenched in June 2020. And I, I love working. My career has always been my life and it's what I identified with. 
So when I lost that part of my life, I felt completely lost. I didn't know who I was. And I didn't really want to talk to people about it because I was still trying to figure out what it means not to have a job, not to have a career, not to have a title or a company that I work for. And alcohol became my solace in that way. I just drank, but I don't have to talk about my feelings. I don't have to feel my feelings. You know, so people knew that I had lost my job because I told people. Um, but the, 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 the deepness of it, I didn't want to get into. And alcohol helped me not face that. Yeah. And so I started drinking more so that I wouldn't think more and I wouldn't talk more about my feelings. You know, like when you start using things as a coping mechanism that you shouldn't. So I, I, I had an idea that this is not the right thing to do, but it felt good because it numbed things. And that's yeah. what I wanted. I wanted not to feel anything and it helped with that. And yeah. Yeah, I think I think like many people, me included, you you can use alcohol to socialize for years. And then some of us, we get to that point where it turns from fun into a, a coping mechanism. And, you know, you did very well to spot that at an early age, much sooner than I spotted it. <laughs> but it is a, a real red flag because we shouldn't self-medicate with alcohol. That's not what it's made for. When did you get to the stage where you thought, I've got to quit drinking then? It took me about seven months after that retrenchment. I think when I had to be honest with myself to say there is a problem and I wanted to stop, you know, and I wanted to not drink. You know, sometimes it's just like, I'll just drink on the weekend. But I think my body and my, my everything was so used to having that drink. I would be good until like five o'clock and I'm like, oh no, I can't make it. And then I'll go out and get a drink or I'll have no alcohol in the house. And then I will just get so like fidgety. So I knew that I had to stop. I knew, but I just couldn't. And I always just gave in. We all do that on Ellie. We have rules, you know, the rules. I could hear one there. No alcohol in the house. I did that as well. But then, you know, I would crack and go out and buy some alcohol. Yes, yes, yes. So I think for me, it was that it was from the beginning of 2021. I really wanted to stop. I really and I had, my family was getting concerned. My sisters would try and make me stop. And I would I went and stayed with my sister. And I thought that would help, you know, because now I know how she feels about my drinking. And if I stayed in that environment, it might stop me. But it didn't because then I would go for a walk. And my walk, <laughs> instead of being three kilometers and 30 minutes, it will be about 90 minutes because then I'll drink on the walk or I'll go and sit somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so that by the time I came home, I was good and I didn't have to drink in the house. So I started doing stupid things like that, you know, um, trying to hide my drinking from the people who were really concerned about it. So I would just go out and walk and sit somewhere and at a restaurant or at a bar or buy alcohol at a bottle store and go sit in a park and drink. Yeah, and then I would walk back home and by the time I got home, then I would like, take a shower and say, oh, I'm so tired and go and sleep because I really didn't want people to see. Do you think they guessed? They knew. They they could see it, but they were like, okay, this is the game she's playing. Let's, let's, yeah. let's see how far she's going to go with this. But they always saw it. They started to know when I had gone out and drank and when I wasn't drinking. Yeah. So they would, yeah, yeah, they knew. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. 
If you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community, just head on over to tribesober.com and hit the membership tab. That's www.tribesober.com. And did you go through the moderation phase? You know, did you think, I'm only going to drink two bottles of wine Uh, all week? Did you start measuring how much you were drinking? (laughs) Yes, yes, it'll be, okay, I'll just have one glass in the evening or whatever it is, or one bottle a week or one bottle every two days. Or Yeah, that didn't work very well. Um, And I think for me, that's why it had to be, I had to just completely go cold turkey because the moderation didn't work yeah. no no once once we've crossed a line into dependence we can't moderate it just has to be we have to stop it and then you know work out how to make the kind of life we want without alcohol which is perfectly possible as you know but it, yeah. it takes a bit of work so how did you eventually do it <laughs> it took a lot of starting and stopping and starting and stopping but eventually the last start um, was on the 31st of August, um, 2022. I was just like, actually on the 30th of August, um, I was like, no, no more, no more, no more. And the 31st of August was the first full day again where it was alcohol free. And then I made it to the next day and the next day and the next day. And today, actually this week is 24 weeks. Fantastic. Um, Six months. Yeah. Wow. On Tribe Sober, you know, we have the uh, the group, the members WhatsApp group that you're on. But we also yeah. have a, a six months and plus group, which we call it the grown ups group. So we're going to yeah. put you up there. <laughs> it's an interesting group that because we have different conversations on there, you know, much deeper conversations because we've been sober for a while you know, we're talking more about what we're doing with the time that we've saved and all sorts of hobbies and pastimes. It's a really nice group. It gets quite quite deep, the conversations on there. Whereas on the members group, as you know, you know, a lot of it is, uh, oh, no, I'm back to day one. What shall I do? And then we all pile in and go, oh, it's all right. Just get back on the wagon. You'll be fine. (laughs) So it's a different vibe. Yeah, yeah. And and did you really struggle? I mean, on a scale of one to ten, how hard was it for you to get through those first few months? Sure, I would say seven or eight, because you, like I said from earlier on, you get so used to having that drink. Yeah. And now you really it takes all your your might and your yeah. willpower and your everything to stay away from drinking. And um, for me, it was trying not to go out of the house as well. At home, my parents don't drink, so there's definitely no alcohol in the house. So the only way I would then have to get alcohol is if I leave the house and I had to just say, okay, maybe for the first week or the first few days, yeah. stay indoors. You know, but it was really difficult because your body will say there's something missing, there's something missing. And sure. you have to be like, no, nothing is missing, nothing is missing. Um, but I think after about a month, it, it's been much, much better and um, I've gotten to a point now where I don't even have those cravings anymore. I don't think about having a drink. And I can now actually hang out and sit with people who are drinking and I have no urge or desire to drink, which in the beginning was difficult because it's like, oh, man, we can always stop and start. <laughs> You've done yeah. this before. You know, um, so in the beginning, I also just stayed away from those ar- surroundings and settings just 
to help myself get to a point where I felt stronger and that I could um, control my drinking. But what also made it a bit easier is telling people that I am trying again and I need you guys to help me and be my accountability partners. And I've got very supportive friends, very supportive family who really did stand in the gap for me if I was, and I would say, guys, I really feel like a drink today. And they'll be like, no, just remember why you're doing it. Remember, you know, and so that helps as well because then you don't feel pressured to have that drink or just, or just have one. You know, those people who say that. Yeah. 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 Well, they're usually people that aren't dependent and they have no idea that actually we can't have just one. <laughs> That's not how it works for us, is it? You know, the, the one turns into six. So you, you did, <laughs> I was kind of picking up two really great things that you did there that must have helped you. You know, first of all, you made it easy on yourself at the beginning, because I think we have to, you know, we have to set ourselves up to succeed and get a bit of sober time clocked mm. up so you said you just stayed home you know for a week or two so so that's fine you know I say to people even if you have to hide away and not socialize just do it mm. put you mm. we have to put our sobriety first don't we because in fact nothing's more important than that you know it's it's affecting the rest of our life because there are you in your 30s you know that your life is going to evolve in a different way than if it would have evolved if you'd become really dependent on alcohol and it had got worse. So I think that that was a great thing that you did. And also the fact that you just came out to your friends and said, look, you know, I don't want to drink and I need your support. That's what we have to say to people, isn't it? And if they say, oh, don't be ridiculous. What's wrong with you? You're so boring. Then do you really need them in your life? You know, and it sounds like you've got some awesome friends, you know, and they said, and they're supporting you. And, you know, it's, it's actually quite a revealing time in our lives to, to maybe have a little um, look at our friendship group, you know, are they really the kind of people that have got our best interests at heart? Because if they're not, you know, I mean, I certainly had a, a few drinking buddies and when I hung out with them and I wasn't drinking, it was like, oh, this person's a bit boring, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and then you find, you know, as you become sober, that you make new friends and you make awesome sober friends and you have a, a deeper relationship with them. So none of your friends really gave you a hard time. People used to say to me, you mean you're you're not going to have another drink ever? <laughs> or they'd say, <laughs> they'd say, oh, I haven't seen you for a while. Are you still doing that crazy not drinking thing? You know, they would yeah. be like a, a dog with a bone. So have you, you haven't had anything like that? I did in the beginning, some of my friends, supportive as they were, they were just like, maybe it's just because you're going through something. Um, and when you're like, you go, you're back in therapy and it will probably help. And after some time, you can go back. And even, yeah. um, some of my siblings were just like, just a momentarily thing, but it, it wasn't, you know, and I think they came to understand that, that for me, it was, it's an eternal thing. There's no time frame because I've done it before in 2021. I actually had stopped drinking for five months. Everyone knew because I told everybody I'm going to stop drinking. I want to really give like I was on antidepressants and other medication. I was like, I really want to give my medication a chance to work. And I know they're not going to work if I am drinking. And then after those five months and I was kind of back to myself and I didn't really need the medication as well, I thought. I went back. So I think for people it was, oh, you've done this before. So when you're okay... We'll, yeah. we'll welcome you back into the drinking. But 
this time around, it really wasn't. And I got asked that. Uh, they, people asked me, what is different? And I was like, the different thing is I don't have a time frame and I don't want to put a time frame to it. It's, it's life. It's now yeah. a lifestyle. Yeah. Um, because I know how alcohol has affected me. I know how depending on alcohol has affected my life and impacted on, you know, just everything. And I've seen sobriety has also impacted my life in a different way. And that's the way that I want to live. So no, no drink at all forever. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think that once our friends uh, and family see that we're we're really serious about this and it's a forever thing, then they lose interest. You know, they're not going to uh, talk about it much anymore. They just think it's like, you know, I'm sure you've got friends that are vegetarians. I mean, we don't mm. say to them, well, is this a forever thing? <laughs> when are you going to yeah. start eating meat again? <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. I didn't think of it that way, yeah. but next time someone says that to me, I'll be like, Hey, are you going to eat meat again? Yeah, yeah. If it's a vegetarian having a go at you, you can certainly say that. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a lifestyle. It's an alcohol-free yeah. lifestyle, and you know, luckily for us, it's becoming quite fashionable these days. You know, as you know, on on Instagram, there's many sobriety groups. And when when yeah. I gave up drinking seven years ago, there was nothing, frankly. You know, there certainly wasn't much on Instagram, and I had to go to AA because I just didn't know where else to go. Mm-hmm. So I think it's wonderful these days. It's like a, a modern recovery movement, and there are so many options. Yeah. So I think there's something for everybody. You know, some people still the AA approach might work for them, but if not, then there's so much else to try. Yeah, no difference. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. So six months sober, that is awesome. What would you say are the key things that you do these days to sustain your sobriety? I think the work that I do helps me because I've just seen that since I took on again for the last time started, you know, on the sobriety journey, I have more energy to put into work and to do more impactful work than I did before. But I also just have energy, you know, to exercise, to read, to journal, to make time for people. It's the thing that I love doing, which when I was drinking, I would be so tired and I'd be yeah. so lethargic and I wouldn't have interest in a lot of things. I just wanted to sleep, yeah. even though I couldn't sleep because, you know, alcohol really doesn't make you sleep properly. So now it's that it's I sleep better. I'm more attentive to things. I'm more observant to things. I think on the benefits of sobriety, the fact that we're going to save so much time, I think that's one a lot of people don't even think about, do they? Because they think, oh, well, maybe, you know, I'll have more energy and be healthier. But in fact, we we spend so much time kind of planning the drinking, doing the drinking, recovering from mm. the drinking. Yes. <laughs> and when we just take it out of our lives, you know, for me, it was such a revelation that I could go out and have a, a really nice evening socially and then I would come back and kind of watch a movie or read read a book, yes. you know, and the next morning I'd get up and I'd feel fine. <laughs> Whereas in the old days, you know, I'd have one of my crazy nights and I'd be wiped out for the next 24 hours, certainly not up for yep. doing very much. So it's it's huge benefit getting some time back. And I think our our thinking clarifies as well. We start to reflect more deeply, you know, what what do we really want out of our lives? 
then we don't really want to spend it numbing away our feelings with with a toxic <laughs> substance. Yeah, you mentioned journaling there. Is that something that you did throughout your first few months? Because we do recommend that people journal when they embark on this journey to, to kind of process their emotions, because you said you were numbing your emotions. So when yeah. you stopped drinking, did you feel quite tearful sometimes and quite fragile? So journaling is um, like generally a big part of my life. Um, even before embarking on this journey of sobriety, it's something that I've always done and it's something that's always, it's like a, it's a great release and a relief for me. But to be honest, when I was drinking, like you're saying, we spent so much time drinking and then recovering from the drinking that I didn't journal as much as I would want to. And also when I, when I look back at what I was writing in 2021 compared to the end of 2022 and even beginning of this year, it's very different because a lot of the times it would be, I'm so mad. I said I wouldn't drink and I said I wouldn't do this and this has happened. Whereas now it's more about, I had a good day. Yes, maybe someone um, ticked me off, but I didn't respond as I usually would or I wasn't as emotional as I usually would. So I am spending more time journaling. I'm spending more time feeling the feelings. And like before, when I was not wanting to feel the feelings, and then I yeah. couldn't release them because I was suppressing them so much. So I am spending way more time journaling. But it's a good in a good way, you know. And I've also just, and I always tell people this as well, that I think a lot of us grew up and were taught like journaling is for when you feel mad and upset, but also mm. about the good feelings, yes. about sharing what could happen? So I do that. I, I celebrate the daily wins, especially in the beginning where I was like, ah, oh, we made it 24 hours, another 24 hours. Now it's seven days. Now it's 14 days. And it's become kind of, even um, after our, our, our interview today and our chat, I'm going to do a post, you know, about 24 weeks because those things have become important to me, you know, every four weeks to share with everyone publicly yeah. to say, yeah. I've made it 24 weeks. And I think it also just gives me and other people that chance to say, you might think six months is not a big deal. It actually is. I mean, you know, when, when you've been drinking and you've been dependent on alcohol, every day counts. Um, and that's why I, I say so openly about this journey and I want to share more about it. And the journaling has helped me with that thing. Talk about how you feel. Talk about how your sobriety is making you feel so that other people can know that there is good on the other side because yes. um, like you mentioned AA, I started at AA as well. And the first four months I, I give it up to them. They've been a great source of support, but the more I was getting into the sober journey, the more I realized, uh, I don't think it's for me. I don't think mm -hmm. the values are aligned. Tribe sober is more my kind of vibe where we are encouraging each other and yeah. we're not saying if someone feels like they want to have a drink or they've grabbed a drink like no you didn't follow the traditions or the steps you know because i just felt it's too dogmatic yeah and it makes people feel like um it's the end of the world if you relapse no let's encourage each other let's inspire each other and that's what i want to do when i share you know yeah absolutely I think well, one thing that I sensed at AA was that there wasn't much of an emphasis on how to thrive in sobriety. You know, it was all about not drink, not drink, not drink. But in my view, there's so much more to this thing than not drinking. You know, there's uh, I see it as a platform for self-development sobriety. Yeah. So that's, you know, what can I, can I just 
can I just share something with you that happened? Yes. So when I, at the beginning of this month, um, when I started the, um, I mean, we're going to be in conversation with you on Thursday. So when I shared that poster and I shared it in my AA group, I was asked to take it down. So I got a message on the side to say, um, please, can you take down that poster? Because AA wants to keep anonymous and social media is a media platform and we're not supposed to talk about. That's when I really knew. I mean, oh, I really knew that AA is no longer for me. But when I was asked to do that two weeks ago, so I wrote and I, I deleted it and I wrote that I'm so sorry. Um, you know, I didn't mean to go against the rules. I just felt that I wanted to share how positive, um, the positive effects and impact that you can have from being sober. I'm going to leave the group. I really felt defeated when I got that message. And I was like, no, you're missing the point. Mm. People will see the light and they will know that there's something to look forward to. Yeah. But I mean, even in AA, and I'm sure that helped you and that helped me, we would hear people sharing and that's, you know, they were sober people that were sharing and that would make us think, oh, you know, this thing is possible. So I don't understand why you can't share outside of the meetings because <laughs> I, I almost feel, well, as you know, I've done a lot of this, but I, I almost feel I've got a responsibility to share. And I've had so many messages over the years, you know, saying things like, oh, I heard you on the radio or I heard this and I heard that and, you know, I've done this and, and thank you. So I know that I've made an impact. And I think the more we talk about it, it's it's not a dirty little secret. You know, we're not broken people. We're just people that got addicted to an addictive substance that is kind of foisted on us every single day of our lives. You know, as women, we've been targeted by the wine industry in particular yeah. to see wine as something glamorous, something that we need, you know, if we want to have a successful and interesting life. So we've... <laughs> we've We've been played, you know, we've been manipulated. And uh, I think the more, you know, women particularly that we can help to see that, then, uh, you know, the, mo the more awesome it's going to be, really. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So I know it was your birthday recently. Happy birthday, belated. Um, <laughs> Thank what, you. <laughs> what did you do? Tell people out there oh. it is possible to have a sober birthday. I had so much fun on my birthday and it was alcohol free and it was the first birthday that was alcohol free in since I was 19. So almost 20 years. <laughs> it was perfect. I went out with my nieces and my nephews and some friends. I wanted to spend the day with kids because kids celebrate everything. They just need cake and lots of cool drink. And I was there with them eating lots of cake and cool drink and singing. And they were on the trampoline and I was taking videos of them. And it was just amazing. It was so, so fun. Some of the moms were having wine and I was like, do you? I'm doing yeah, this. Exactly. And, but it was, it was really, really amazing. And you're right that we can socialize without the alcohol and still have a good time. I think yeah. I had the best time. And the next day I was able to get up. And I went for breakfast with other friends who couldn't make the party. And we had coffee and we had breakfast and there was not even mimosas or anything like that. And I still had fun. And I went back to the kids and I played with them. It was the perfect weekend. 
Oh, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, those sober firsts are, are so important. Have you had your first flight yet? This first sober flight, certainly if it's a long one, it's quite something. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> and sober holidays, you've probably got a first sober holiday in the horizon somewhere, but that's that's yeah. always. But I think if we see these things as challenges, you know, maybe they feel a bit strange to start with, but we, we just start learning those skills and then it becomes normal. Every Saturday afternoon, we open up our Tribe Sober Zoom Cafe. It's a safe space where our members can connect, check in, and just shoot the breeze about alcohol-free living. If you'd like to be a guest at the cafe one Saturday, just drop us an email at Janet at TribeSober.com. That's Janet, J-A-N-E-T, at TribeSober.com, and we'll send you an invitation. So, Anneli, what would you say to someone that's listening to this and they're, you know, where you were, where I was, and they're thinking, oh, well, it's all right for those two, you know, but I've no idea how to do this, where to start, what to do. What would you say to encourage them? And a lot of people say to me, oh, well, it all sounds like hard work. Is it really worth it? You know, is being sober that worth it? Well, what would you say to them? Firstly, yes, it definitely is worth it. And I would just say, if people are already thinking about it, it's, you know, they're already in the right direction. A lot of people have not come to a point of admitting that they should stop and accepting that they have a drinking problem. So if you're still wondering, um, you know, just maybe talk to someone, talk to a professional, talk to Janet, talk to me and say, you know, I've been thinking about this, this is what I'm going through. And we can help you get to a point of acceptance and admission. For me, it's literally taking that one day at a time, that one week, and writing your thoughts about it. That's where the journaling comes in. You know, you've made it to... So for me, it was, I need to make it to 8 p.m. And then I will take my journal and I will then say, I've made it to 8 p.m. Because by that time, I know there's no chance of me leaving the house and going somewhere. Before then, I could maybe say I need to go to the shops and get milk or bread or whatever. <laughs> but by 8 p.m., it's too late. So if you can make it to 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. and then write your thoughts um, to say I've made it, you'll find that you just feel good and you'll want to get to the next day and the next day. And I would also encourage people not to have a time frame, not to say I want to be sober for three weeks or I want to be sober for six months because when you get to that, then you just go back and you go back to square one and you feel guilty again. That's how I felt. Um, but just knowing that this is the life that I am pursuing, this is the way I want to live, it makes it so much more meaningful. And then looking at, oh, okay, I might have just made it two days in or three days in. What have been the good things that have happened as opposed to when I was drinking? And you and I spoke about it earlier that you're able to go out, you get home, you can still read or watch a movie. Um, and the next day you wake up with no headache, you're not hungover, you're not tired. So I would also encourage people to look at that, to look at the benefits, seemingly small benefits, you know, of, oh, I don't have a headache. Yeah. Oh, but I'm not hang, and I can go for a run or I can go to the gym, you know, things that you really want to do, but when you wake up, um, hungover, you can't do. 
So focus on those things and then yeah. you save money as well. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, I mean, those you benefits, they, they start coming in straight away, really, don't they? Because you, yeah. you haven't got a hangover. That's the first benefit. But what I say about sobriety these days it, is it's it's a gift that keeps on giving, really. And good news for you. There's a, a doctor, a rehab doctor that I interviewed on one of the podcasts. I'll send it to you. But she says that for every year that we've been drinking, we need one month to recover. So someone like me that was drinking for 40 years, my recovery actually took more than three years. But I was feeling fine in those three years, you know, from the early stages, ups and downs. But new benefits would keep coming, you know. So for you, you know, you're at at six months. And I would say at six months, you start getting real kind of glimpses of just how awesome alcohol-free life can be, you know, and you really feel like you're on your way there. And it's it's so good for our self-esteem as well, because if, if we can do this, you know, then there's no stopping us, really. Sobriety is a superpower. <laughs> right, right. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sobriety is a superpower. I love it. It is. It, it gives you confidence, really, because you think, wow, yes. you know, I did this really hard thing. What else can I do? And you start, I mean, you, you've probably already at this stage, but you start looking at other areas of your life. You think, you know, am I eating properly? Am I exercising enough? Do I love my job or do I want to do my own thing? You know, there's, there's yeah. so, yeah. so many aspects to it. It's much wider than not drinking. I think so, it's what you spoke about, about the clarity and thought. Because your thinking is not clouded and your judgment is not yeah. clouded, you're able to, to, to think better, you're able to make better decisions. More lasting impact just for your life. Like you're saying that, do I really need to do this? Do I really need this in my life? Do I really need these people in my life? Do I really want to live like this? Do I need yeah. to go to those places? Yeah. You know, and you start think, you, you think with clarity. Thank you so much, Anneli. What an amazing woman you are. Let's pull out some key points. Like many of us, Anneli discovered alcohol when she went to varsity, but it was very much a social thing for her. Her drinking was completely under control during her 20s and early 30s. It was only in her late 30s that it became a problem. We heard a similar story from last week's guest, Sam Delaney. That got me thinking about one of my favourite articles by Ken Middleton. Ken explains the science behind alcohol dependence. And the harsh truth is that if we drink regularly, then over the period of a couple of decades, we're going to move on from liking alcohol to wanting alcohol and to finally needing alcohol. So that would explain why some people can drink happily throughout their 20s and most of their 30s, but then it switches from a social lubricant to self-medication. I'm going to include Ken's article in the show notes. It's fascinating, so please take a look. So back to Anneli, who got retrenched in June 2020. This was a real blow for her, as she loves her career and her identity was very much tied to her job. She felt lost and found herself using alcohol to numb her pain, even though she was well aware that this was a red flag of alcohol dependence. Like so many of us, Anneli began to try to control her drinking, setting those rules, 
That one about not having alcohol in the house, for example, that worked fine until about 5pm when she started getting so fidgety she had to go out and buy some. Her family were worried about her drinking, so she found herself hiding it. She would tell them she was going for a walk and then find herself sitting in a bar or going to the liquor store and then sitting in the park with her drink. Getting home from these walks, she would shower and go to sleep. Of course, her family knew what was going on, but they had no idea how to help her. Anneli also tried hanging out with Moderation Mary, as we call her in Tribe Sober, but obviously that didn't work either. Finally, she realised she'd have to get some help, so she went to AA for a while. This really helped her at the beginning, but as her alcohol-free life began to take shape, she decided that the AA method would just not work for her long term. She made it easier on herself during those first few months by not going out very much. She also explained to her close friends that she needed their support. She needed them to be her accountability partners. And it worked. And Ellie is now six months sober with absolutely no desire to drink again. She's now a proud member of our Tribe Sober Six Months Plus group. That's a group for people that have passed that six-month milestone. They've navigated those early choppy waters of sobriety and they're now discussing the next stages. The stage where we create a beautiful alcohol-free life, a life we don't want to escape from. We talked about sobriety benefits and having more energy is a big one for both of us. Anneli explained that she was always tired when she was drinking. And yes, alcohol saps our energy and our motivation. So when we've been sober for a while, we'll begin to rediscover our enthusiasm for life. We'll want to explore new projects and we'll have the energy and the time to do that. Because if we've been drinking for years, then the fatigue will have built up. It's easy to confuse this tiredness with the aging process, but just wait until you start enjoying high quality sleep and you'll feel amazing. Anneli had always kept a journal. When she was drinking, her journal entries were often quite angry ones. But these days she uses it to celebrate her wins and to process her emotions. She's feeling all the feels and she's learned to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. I asked her for some tips for newbies and she made the very good point that if you are thinking about your drinking and if you're listening to this podcast, then it's a clear sign that you need to take some action. Did you know that the average time frame that someone waits between accepting that they have a drinking problem and acting on it is about 11 years. That's 11 more years of worrying and becoming more dependent. We understand that reaching out for help is the hardest thing of all, but why not do it today? Go to tribesober.com and hit join our tribe or email me directly, janet at tribesober.com. You'll never regret it and it could just change your life. Do follow Anneli on Instagram. I'm going to spell her handle for you. It's N-D-L-O-V-U underscore Anneli, A-N-E-L-E. I will put it in the show notes. You'll also be able to catch Anneli on our Tribe Sober Instagram. That's at Tribe Sober. 
Over the next couple of months, she'll be hosting some interviews, some in-depth interviews with people about their recovery journey. So don't miss out on that. Let me end with a message from one of our chat rooms, from our super talented tribe cartoonist, Sarah. She's thriving in her second year of sobriety and has plenty of awesome advice to give. I think the bottom line is that we have to get excited about our new journey. Immersion in podcasts, in the tribe chatter and the quitlet automatically made that mind shift for me. And because of that, none of the work felt like a chore. It was all an exciting discovery and a kind of extremely necessary permission to just focus on myself. I'm 13 months sober now still fascinated by the twists and turns and still discovering things. I still get challenges, but I feel a very secure baseline of steady, consistent contentment and positivity that was never there when I was drinking. Push through and never question the decision once you're on this trajectory. It's so worthwhile, I promise. Oh, thank you, Sarah. I love that bit about just push through and never question the decision. That's such good advice. As I record this podcast, March the 20th is just round the corner. That's the day when we open our five-day free boot camp and we start our 66-day sober challenge. So you'll definitely need to hang out with Tribe Sober during that period. Just go to tribesober.com and sign up for both. Make March the 20th the date that everything changes. That's it from me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week. Ditching the drink is like climbing a mountain. It's hard, it takes courage and grit, and an experienced guide. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've climbed that mountain and we know the view from the top is amazing. We've used our experience to put together a unique membership program that will support you all the way. We've got challenges, chat rooms, sober buddies, trackers, and milestone awards, and that's just for starters. So head on over to tribesober.com and check out our membership program. It's the essential resource for anyone looking to ditch the drink and change their life.